Thank you for joining us in our study of Philippians here on the Radio Bible Course. We have begun chapter 3, where Paul writes some strange words. He tells the Philippians in verse 2, Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. His reference to dogs has nothing to do with animals. It's a reference to those men who were troubling the early church. There were Jews who had become Christians, but who had become enemies of the gospel by perverting it. They were perverting it by adding the necessity of the law to grace salvation. Paul referred to them as dogs, and as dogs they might hurt you is the message that he's trying to convey. Then Paul warns about evil workers. Beware of evil workers. And here the emphasis is not concerned with how they live, but how they work. Paul wrote to the Corinthians about these kinds of men. They had another gospel, and he calls them false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. You'll find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. And then he said, Beware of the false circumcision. Now, that's not the best translation, because the word false is not in the Greek. And the word translated circumcision is not the normal word for circumcision. Now, if you don't have the New American Standard Schofield Bible with the marginal note, I should call your attention to the word catatomy. Now, the normal word for circumcision is peritomy. Peri means around, such as our word perimeter, and tomy means a cutting. So a circumcision was a cutting around. And you know that, probably, because in medicine, anything that's an ectomy means surgery, such as a hysterectomy or a tonsillectomy. Those all, of course, come from the Greek word to cut. Now here, Paul makes a play on the word. Since these Jews emphasize the necessity of circumcision in order to be righteous before God, they were requiring a cutting that was unnecessary from Paul's point of view. It became a sign of a perverted doctrine, and it was nothing better than mutilation. Now, these Jews were not promoting circumcision for salvation. There were Jews who did that. Acts 15 tells us about their error. They were insisting that all those Gentiles who had heard the gospel from the Apostle Paul and had believed it, that in addition to that faith in the gospel and in the Christ of the gospel, they were saying that they had to keep the laws of Moses and be circumcised in order to be saved. All the apostles gathered in Jerusalem along with the church, and they settled that matter, that it was not necessary for Gentile converts 
have anything to do with the law of Moses or to be circumcised. So they defended their liberty and their freedom from the law of Moses in that great decision which we call the Jerusalem Council. Now the Jews in Philippi were promoting circumcision as a means of gaining confidence before God for living righteously. How can one demonstrate a righteous life? Obey God, said the Jews. And since God commanded his people to be circumcised, even before the law age, beginning with Abraham, a man not obeying that divine command would be without personal righteousness, they thought. And apparently they were convincing some of the Philippians that they ought to listen to this kind of reasoning. Should not Christians live righteously? Isn't it a fact that God saved us for good works? Of course he did, and anyone reading the New Testament would acknowledge that. God saved us so we would do good deeds. And Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 declares, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so does the second chapter of the epistle to Titus, verse 14. It tells us about Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity and to purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous of good works. Well, Titus 3.5 brings it out also, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things I want you to speak confidently, so that those who have believed God may be careful to engage in good deeds, These things are good and profitable for men. God's people ought to reflect God's character, and those who believe in Jesus Christ ought to imitate Jesus Christ. Those who say they believe in him ought themselves also to walk as he walked, and Jesus Christ was the perfect example of good deeds. Is it enough to receive imputed righteousness from God by believing in Jesus Christ? Well, those passages which I've cited tell us that God's desire is for us also to do good works. But was circumcision one of those good works? Absolutely not. That practice was based on an assumption that what was a sign for Israel is also to be a sign for the church. But the Jews were wrong in assuming that, and the Galatian epistle makes this point. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any avail, but faith working through love. That's Galatians 5, 6. And in the following chapter, in verse 15, Paul writes, For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. That's what counts. Faith working through love and a new creation. That's why Paul 
made the play on words where he used the Greek word katakomi rather than peritomi. Peritomi is the word for circumcision, but katakomi, the one he uses here, is the one for mutilation. Be- beware of the mutilation. Well, since Paul is so convinced that it's not circumcision that helps a person, but whether he has faith working through love or whether he is a new creature in Christ Jesus by faith, why then be circumcised? There must be some reasons for submitting to it. Now think about it. Why should someone go through the pain of that surgery if it doesn't count with God? Well, there are some possible reasons why men were promoting that wrongly back then, and it's still wrong. And there are reasons why some of the Philippians were considering being circumcised. They thought maybe they'd get the approval of those zealous Jews if they submitted to circumcision. And some of the Galatians fell for that also. And then some person might have said, Well, I'll feel that I have done something which might increase my confidence as a child of God. And someone else might say, I'll feel more complete if I get circumcised. And it would give me a sense of having done something to prove my sincerity. All of those are very false reasons. We need to be aware of this, that it's easier to do a physical thing or to experience circumcision than it is to love one another. God calls us to love one another, not to have some of our flesh cut. Now, are we like some of these Galatians and Philippians in what we do? Some people attend church or tie their income or keep Sunday as a holy day. And they think they might be better off as Christians and they might improve their standing with God. But keep this in mind, it's not what men do or don't do that concerns Paul. It's why are they doing what they do. It is one thing to please God. But it's another thing to try to impress God. We can deceive ourselves in this very easily by even hoping that God will notice our righteous behavior may be a hint that we want more than the righteousness of Christ. And that is serious. Isn't the righteousness of Christ which comes by faith enough? Shouldn't we be content with that? After all, it's perfect righteousness. Yes, we should be satisfied. It is enough. Good works should be done, but not in order to be righteous. If you do them out of love for Christ, then that is the proper attitude, but not to attain righteousness. Now, Paul deals with this in verse 3. Listen to Philippians 3, chapter 3. For we are the circumcision, the true circumcision, who worship God in the Spirit and glory in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. He emphasizes, first of all, we are the circumcision. We. Who does he refer to? Himself, of course. And the Philippians. All of us are the circumcision. We who believe in Christ are looked upon by God as his people. Now, 
What is true circumcision? It's spiritual. It's of the heart. Romans chapter 2 verse 28 reveals this. It says, For he is not a real Jew who is one outwardly, nor is true circumcision something external and physical. He is a Jew who is one inwardly, and real circumcision is a matter of the heart, spiritual and not literal. His praise is not from men, but from God. Now, how are Christians the true circumcision? This is an important question, and we need to understand how we are the true circumcision. I don't have enough time to explain it, but we'll take this up on our program tomorrow. I'll be here, and I hope you'll join me. Have you heard of our Bible teaching memory program? It's free. If you have wanted to memorize key verses in the Word of God but have not been successful, our memory program will be of help to you. It consists of small cards printed with the most critical passages in the Bible, along with instructions on how to succeed in memorizing verses. We'd like to help you to get started on a program of Scripture memory by sending you the first set of 16 verse cards. You can get your set of cards by writing to the Radio Bible Course, Ask for the Memory Program. In addition to the verse cards, we'll send you a pamphlet that teaches you how to be successful in Scripture memory. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.